Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on RashPixel.fm. I'm Pete Wright, and right over there is Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. You know, in the old days, uh, my dad would wake me up when I was uh, i was probably 10, 11, 12, and uh, at the end of the summer, he'd come into my bedroom on that first fateful morning, and he'd sing to me. Do you know what he would sing, Nikki Kinzer? Is it the the day that you would go back to school? School days, school days, good old golden rule days. And I would throw a hot fit and I oh, would I'm get sure. real mad and he would turn around and I would flip him off and uh, he would get he would just get no end of love out of that experience for years running until I realized that if I ignored him, he would go on and do something else. Right. That took me a long time to learn that lesson. We're hopefully not going to cause anybody to flip us off today. Yes, not like I old dad. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, we're going to be talking about st- uh, favorite strategies for ADHD students. This is very exciting. Lots of fantastic tools for us to talk about. It is, and I was just thinking the timing of this is probably completely wrong. Yeah, right. right? Because it's <laughs> here we are going into spring, and it's most, welcome to spring. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to, to spring, and you know we're going to talk about ADHD strategies. Um, yeah, so the timing of this is probably not the best. Uh, yeah. However, it did come up in uh, our Patreon Patreon group, mm-hmm. and I love the Patreon group. That you know, this is for them. So, yeah. um, and anybody else. That that is a student, uh, I think we'll find this valuable. So All right. we're going to do it anyway. I don't we're going to do it anyway. You know, spring. That's right. <laughs> we don't care. We're going to do it anyway. This show is brought to you by you. And when I say you, I actually mean our fantastic supporters over at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. These are the people uh, whose lives have been touched in some way by this show, and uh, they have decided to help us to support Nikki and I as we do the work of this show for a living. You know, I don't know that many people think about this. Like, this is what we do for our jobs. Nikki has, uh, she's she does her work with her coaching clients. She does her work with, uh, but, but she doesn't go to a day-to-day nine-to-five. She's busy creating tools and resources for you. I'm, I'm a 
professional podcaster and photographer. I don't go to a day-to-day job anymore either. And so it is enormously touching for both of us for that that you if you've gotten something out of this show, you recognize that it doesn't come for free. Like this comes at a cost to us. It comes at a cost of our time and of, of our experience. And, and we work hard to, to bring this show to you every single week for year after year. It is a delight to do. And, and we're deeply grateful for those of you who uh, believe it's important enough to you that, that we frankly get paid for it. That's an incredibly powerful message to send. So thank you to our supporters over at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. And we hope that if you haven't decided to support us yet, that you'll check us out over there. Look at the perks that we have. Look at the other milestones. When we reach these milestones, we, we're going to be doing new things, just like releasing transcripts for uh, full, complete, human-powered transcripts for each episode. That comes thanks to patrons. Again, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Thank you so much for your support. All right, Nikki Kinzer. Let's do this thing. Yes. Are you going to read the question? Because you're so Casey Kasem. I am, in fact, going to read the question. Here is the question. Within the Discord group, there are many adult students. Between online classes, living and attending classes on campus, grad school, or prepping for major exams needed to apply for higher education, many of the tribe are consistently hitting the books. The accountability has been super helpful, keeping me on track to get my assignments completed on time. Unfortunately, for as often as I am studying, I don't feel like it's ever enough. I find it very difficult to retain the information I'm reading in my textbooks. For lack of a better option, it seems the best way to retain information from copious amounts of text reading is to take even more pages of notes. More often than not, I find I am more or less copying the textbook verbatim in a feeble attempt to remember anything I've read. This practice results in hours upon hours of extra time needed to read and retain the information for a single chapter. Is it possible you have some tips for more efficient studying techniques when ADHD sends your memory on spring break and you're not sure how to hold on to everything you're trying to learn? Is it possible... Everything is possible. Anything Everything is possible. Is possible. Mm-hmm. If you believe it, right? Oh, I could we be just a have unicorn. to have a little faith. Oh, yeah. I could be a unicorn if I wanted to be <laughs> in my you imagination. Are. You're a bright, shiny unicorn. Yeah. No, it is possible. And I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah. I imagine yeah. that you read that question and you got, got real, real excited. Well, I did because right now... Um, you know, as part of my coaching service, I work with college students and I have, yeah. oh boy, this is the biggest load I've had for with college students. So I think I have about 10, 10 college students that I'm working with all around wow. the United States. Oh, and that's uh, yeah, and different colleges and universities and they're at different um, levels, you know, grade levels and, and not. So this mm-hmm. is something that I work with every week and I talk to my clients about every week. And so, yes, I was very excited to talk about this. And a lot of what she's saying is certainly a challenge for many of my students, retaining the information, understanding the the content that they're learning. Um, it takes a little bit more time sometimes. You know, you have to hear it or see it and uh, and process it more than just once. Um, so what she's, she's explaining is very normal with many of uh, my students. But also, I want to hit that it's not just the retention, but I think one of the biggest issues that I deal with with students is the procrastination. And they're yeah. waiting too long to study, and now they're cramming 
um, for that exam or midterm or whatever's coming up and yeah. and they haven't given themselves enough time to really retain the information. Right. So it kind of goes I'm going to talk about both things. So what I did is I uh, basically looked at sort of the things that I do with students and I picked five things that I think are really important um, for people to uh, take into account. Now, the first thing uh, is rotating where you study. So when we're talking about retention of information, if you study in the same place all the time, there isn't anything to kind of trigger your memory of when you saw or, or when you read something, right? Or learned something. So one of the, the the easiest things you can do is rotate where you study. Uh, so have one chapter where you're studying in a library, have another chapter where you're in the park or you're at home and move that around because what's going to happen is you're going to remember where you learned it and it will be easier to retain. So um, it, it, even if you just want to rotate your chair, you know, so right. you're looking at a different wall <laughs> that can make a difference. I highly recommend that you don't study on your bed because you'll probably fall asleep, especially if it's something that's boring. <laughs> so that have a, yeah, I, I resemble that remark. You know, yeah. I used to have this thing. Maybe I've talked about it right where that, that state dependent memory thing that that's legit. And it is. I I used to study. I never forget. I used to study with, with these great big, you know, the, the big recycle uh, there, there was a big campaign on campus, a big recycling mugs where you ca you were issued a mug and then you just carried it around and you drank from that in all the cafeterias. It was always kind of strapped to your backpack kind of a thing. And I would and fill what it with did Coke. you have in that? Oh, it was always Coke. And really? you, like from the early hours Coke? in the morning. No, 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 no. Sometimes. <laughs> no. Hey, no judgment Sorry. here. It's judgment free zone. Uh, and so I would. You know, I would drink the Coke and then I would always study in the same place. And it got to the point where I know this is probably I'm, there's probably something deeply psychosomatic about this. But I if I were to go in and take an exam on the same content that I'd been studying, I would have to, like, tank up on on Coke and try and get my brain in the same sugar addled state so that I could even think about the songs I would sing to myself to remind me of uh, of what I was actually studying at the time, like all those things. That's I think you mitigate that a little bit if you naturally change the state where you study more frequently. I was always doing the same thing and it became not like I was actually integrating content. It was I was building a habit and that's not quite what you want to do. Not a healthy habit if you're drinking a lot of Coke to get back right. to the point where you were when you were studying in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Did you break that habit eventually? Yeah, I did. Thankfully, <laughs> that was that's a hard habit to break. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to talk a, a little bit about reading. So when you're reading a chapter, um, th there's just some things you can do to make it a little bit easier for you. So one of the things you want to prevent is just going straight into the chapter and start reading it. Uh, again, especially if it's something you're not interested in, because it's really going to be hard to even open mm -hmm. up the book to get to the first page. Right. So what we want to do is actually skim the chapter first and look at your headings. Pay attention to your headings. Pay attention to the subheadings. What's being bolded? Are there you know how a lot of textbooks will have like sidebar questions mm -hmm. and statements and quotes? Pay attention to those and then go to the end of the chapter and look at what the review questions are or what the bullet points are are of the of the chapter so that you really understand what it is that they're trying to get across like what are the key points mm -hmm. 
If you have a study guide, now a lot of times people won't have a study guide until it's like right up close to a midterm or whatever. But if you do, um, again, read this first before you read the book so you can go back in and know what you're looking for. So you're not just reading, you're skimming it. Is mm-hmm. I mean, you're not necessarily having to read it word for word um, unless, you know. I guess if you really don't understand something, but does well, that make sense? Me, yes. And let me throw something in there. Uh, many classes, if it, some instructors don't do this, but many do, they will hand you a rubric of some sort right. that will quite specifically outline the things that you're going to be tested on. Please, for the love of everything, use the rubric, right? Use the study guides first before you even start reading digest the study guides use those things because that is your map for the entire thing now some instructors particularly in grad school they don't give you uh, that kind of map and you're just counted on to learn the all the material just right. learn all the material but that's not actually what the that your your uh, professor is thinking either right they're not actually thinking that you have to be able to start finding the clues what are the things that are most important to them um you know in in order to guide your studying and build your own rubric your own study guide Right. Well, uh, that's the other thing you can do. Material. If you, you could certainly build your own study guide by looking at uh, the lecture notes, the the slideshows. I mean, most professors, a lot of professors will will share their slides, uh, and so you know, look at those uh, key points that are being covered in class and make your own study guide and rubric if you don't have it. Uh, but something you can do that this was an interesting tip that I got at the Chad conference is that uh, when you're looking at your study guide you have three different highlighters and the green is the stuff that you already know you feel pretty confident about the yellow is stuff that you maybe need to learn a little bit more and then the red um, highlighter is the stuff that you didn't even know that you needed to know and so what it can do is it can help you guide like where you should pay your attention pay attention so when you're studying you don't have to spend the same amount of time on the green stuff but the red stuff you got to pay attention to because you didn't even know you needed to know it i'm i'm a little bit dubious on highlighting i, I just i've never found it works for me and i think it's well, this because is just highlighting the study guide not highlighting yeah, the book that's good. or anything right 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 yeah. that's really good and i i do think that that's really important to be able to to like you know do the little tricks like circling the action words right do right. this learn this understand this uh those are really important uh concepts too i think uh you know for anybody out there just to finish my thought on highlighting who's who's still actively using highlighting you're you you're probably doing it wrong I, I'm just saying, I, I don't know a lot of people who do it right. And so what's the right way? I think it's entirely useful. Well, I don't know that actually now that I say that, I don't know that there is really a right way to highlight. Right. The, the, the reason you use a highlighter is to is so that your eye catches the most important concepts in a particular passage. When you're dealing with ADHD, every passage is important. Right. True. And yeah. so so then are you I, highlighting you're highlighting everything. entire paragraphs, right? right? Entire paragraphs. And so if you really love highlighters, you love some people just learn the smell of highlighters. Who am I? You know, sometimes I like to sniff gasoline. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I just think it's really important to stop and and uh, try to constrain your efforts to highlight the most important stuff and to go into a complex highlighting system because generally it's going to grow out of control just like the firing in your brain is going to grow out of control, right? It's just hard to do. And it, it probably is not playing to your strengths 
uh, and, and the mode that you best learn. And so understanding that, how you best integrate new information is probably more important. So that kind of goes into what I'm going to talk about next, because I know that, you know, you can over highlight and you can probably over note take. Mm-hmm. Right. So that kind of goes in the same category there a little bit. Um, so third tip is is the active studying. And this is important for people who have the, the hyperactivity piece of ADHD. Yeah. Right. They need to not be sitting down for four hours. That just doesn't sound like fun at all. And so um, taking notes while you're reading, um, it can help. But again, I would be really careful that we're not doing what our members said and taking notes of the whole entire you know, chapter, because yeah, then you're not right. really, you're just taking notes of it. There is something I think powerful about writing uh, something down versus typing it or just reading it. So there is some value there. So my question to you, Pete, is how do we help people who are listening today, you know, figure out what should be in the notes or what I should highlight? Like, how do you figure that out? You've already sort of started that conversation, right? Which is uh, to do it with the, to start following the map of the textbook, right? If you don't have a map of the textbook, then you start having to look for keywords around the rubric and the assignment that you've been given, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have a map. And whether you create the map or it is given to you, you've got to have a map to start. And that is so much more important for the ADHD brain, uh, you know, to have that map. It's, it's, incredibly important. But I really like what you said about, um, you know, writing things, writing your notes, handwriting your notes, and then typing your notes, right? I mean, it's great to do this multiple times. That's going to be vastly more effective in the long run. And I mean, long run, like actually integrating stuff into your being that you are learning than just preparing for an exam, right? You're going to school so that you can be more effective in your field, get a degree, whatever. If you really want to learn this stuff, then you've got to be able to do that work beyond the exam. The exam is just a mile marker, right? It's just a mile post. Uh, and, and you should be thinking far beyond the exam. How are you going to use this material? If you stop asking yourself, what do I need to prepare for the exam and start asking, what do I need to understand this for my field? to be successful or for to, to, you know, be a, have a more robust understanding of this, um, as a human being, then I I think you'll have a better go at it. The, uh, there's one thing that I didn't have the advantage of when I was a uh, in college myself as a student um, with regard to active participation in the work, and that is recording and listening to myself. We all talk about recording lectures, right? We talk about recording, you know, the instructor and the professor and they're doing their thing. And then you go back and you you supposedly listen to those lectures. But I look at recording myself as something like, um, you know, being able to it's like an audio highlighter, right, where you're reading the important passages during a study session in voice memos on your phone, for example. And then you put your headphones in as you're walking to uh, to lunch and you listen to yourself recite the important things over and over and over again. Right. You're listening to yourself talk about, uh, you know, the concepts in, in a particular um, class. And that will engage yet another sense. Right. You've got the kinesthetic sense when you're writing things down. You now have this this um this oral uh, sense as if you're an oral learner to to actually get your voice into your head that will again improve retention over time and and it'll allow you to to use your own voice to build the map 
That's uh, a I great think idea. That's, that's really important. Yeah, that's I a never great actually. Thing. I I do recommend recording lectures just because it totally. eases yeah. yep. the the note taking. You know, mm-hmm. um, you can go back and that's what I like about the live scribe pin is that you can actually go back to certain parts of the lecture so you don't have to listen to the whole thing because you had said supposedly go back and listen to those lectures and I didn't miss that because it's very true. It's like how often are you going to go back and listen? Um, however, I do know students that I work with that would because they need that information again. They need to hear it again. Totally. And I don't want to discount the value of it at all. I think having that uh, a recording of it and and but the, the real trick is using it, right? The yeah, value of yeah. is not just having it. The value is is actually integrating it into your brain. And, and the more times you listen to it, the more you will remember it. That is settled. We know that works. Right? But I like that what you added was that you're also repeating it to yourself, recording yourself. I think there's a lot of value. I'm going to start using that strategy. It, it works for it's learning good. a lot of things, frankly. I mean, it works for learning a lot of things. I'm, of course, I'm a little bit biased because I stand at a mic most of the day. But um, still, you know, I can I, see that for sure. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, one of the things I was going to say is that reading out loud, walking while you're reading in a safe, safe place, safe environment. (laughs) But uh, put a blindfold on and hit the streets. Yeah. And then even explaining and you could do this with the the voice uh, recording, but, you know, explaining what you're reading to your invisible friend, you know, so you're you're putting it to you. You're you're the friend, right? You're recording yourself. But I think that just explaining it in your own words, which is what you basically are saying, um, can be very, very helpful. Because it gives you practice talking about a concept, too. Right. Right. Practice using that part of your voice. And the connection between brain to mouth is really important, you know, being able to recite because you're essentially teaching. And that's the best way to learn something is to teach it. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, if you think about like what we've been doing for the last few years in the podcast, I wouldn't have done all the research that I do for the podcast if it wasn't if I didn't have that platform necessarily. Right. I mean, so it does it. it, You get to teach what you're learning and pass that on and and you retain it. You retain it better. So I I actually learned that trick. If it if it helps anybody, you know, if you whatever field of study you're in, I learned that trick from uh, a a study group in uh, it was going through medical school and they were going through gross anatomy and they were recording their experience as they're dissecting these bodies and have to learn not just tens of concepts, but hundreds or thousands of concepts about the, of the human body and how the systems work together. And they spend time on it. Then it was a cassette recorder and they were recording themselves talking about it and teaching themselves. And then they'd go back and rewind it and play it back. Well, we don't have to deal with, you know, degrading cassettes anymore. We just just use voice memos, record and teach yourself. It's right. huge. If doctors can do it, you can do it. You can do it, too. That's right. So the fourth uh, strategy that I have doesn't work for everybody. A couple of things will work, but not every not. It's basically working with other people. Now, I can see I, I can tell you that probably the majority of the students that I'm currently work with. Well, it's about half and half. Half can work with other people and half can't because they're getting distracted by the people that they're working with. If you are doing a study group, but they're all people who want to talk and aren't necessarily serious about the 
the studying as you are, it's probably not going to go so well. And then you're going to come back to your room and you're going to cram because you didn't get the four hours of studying done that you thought you were going to do. And so I think it, it does depend on if study groups work for you. If they do, then go to them. And incur, I encourage you to because you guys, again, can teach each other what you don't know and talk about the concepts. And there's a lot of value in that if that's what you're doing, you know, if that's what the if you're staying on course. Um even talking to one other classmate, if you have somebody else that's in the class that you can exchange uh, comments with, either text or whatever, can be very helpful. Office hours. I highly recommend that, especially for the younger students out there, because this is where I see a lot of issues. A lot of students don't know what to ask their professor, so they don't go. A lot of, a lot of students feel like, well, I should have already known this. They're going to think I'm stupid, so I'm not going to go. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's going to be a really long line and I don't want to sit, you know, I don't want to stand in it, you know, whatever. But, um, if you are not doing well in a class and you're not doing, you know, your exams are not coming back very well or whatever, I highly recommend that you go to the office hours, talk to your professor, find out what you did wrong, ask questions, clarify if you're studying the right stuff and how you're studying. And every time that a a client of mine does that, they get information they didn't know before. It helps. Mm -hmm. It helps. So talk to your professors. Take advantage. That's what they're there for. And they like it. Generally, they like it. Yes. There is no professor who doesn't want you to ask clarifying questions. No. It's just not a thing. No, they want you to succeed, you know, especially, I mean, again, I work with a lot of younger people, but, you know, they they don't want to see these kids. I say kids because they're so much younger than me, Um, but they're still adults, but they don't want to see them fail. Um, Now, there is a if you're not really sure what to ask, then I would just um, talk to somebody else. So, like, I'm working with a client right now who she's not sure what to ask her professor. So that's going to be our next session as we're going to go through the information that she's not understanding and actually get some solid questions. So if you don't have a coach, ask somebody else, ask a friend or somebody to help you kind of clarify that for yourself so you feel more confident confident going in. All right. Last thing that I have to say, but it's such a big thing. We could probably do five podcasts and more (laughs) on this. And we have just not in a student context. Right. But if you're a student and you have assignments that are due every every week and discussion posts and responses and homework assignments and exams and finals you have to learn how to use your planner the oh, two goodness. most important time manage- management tools that you have is your calendar and your plan and your to-do list if you can have a planner that does both which most student planners do mm-hmm. that's what you need to use you need to learn how to use it effectively every single student that i work with that is the very first thing that we get out of the way is how are you going to use your planner and i yeah. can't tell you how many of them have never used one before and they don't think they need one right but yet 
their parents have called me to help them. So something's yeah, not right. right. Yeah. So it, it, it is, they don't know. So they just need to be taught. But that, that is the biggest thing is trying, you know, writing it all out. What are not only what are the most important due dates, um, but every, I mean, I am really actually quite strict about it. Like I have my students bring their planner with them, their mm-hmm. syllabuses with them in our meetings so that we can exact, you know, both of us look at the schedule for the week ahead and know exactly what's going on and block out study times and how much time do you need before, you know, something is due. That's where the procrastination, I'm not saying procrastination is not going to happen, but at least now you have a plan and you're set up for success rather than just sort of like treading water, not really knowing what you're going to do. I, I right. could not agree more with this entire thing. Uh, and and it is it also I know that living with ADHD, it is a muscle that takes a lot of time and patience to build. It is incredibly hard. And uh, it, it you're juggling too many things not to have some sort of a, ma- a map for your life. That's what we're talking about is a map for your for your life. In many respects, this, as you say, Nikki, should have been number one uh, because of, of just how important it is. Uh, and uh, it is something that, uh, you know, find a system. You know, I'm watching the chat room, seeing some folks saying that they, they you know, describing the kinds of systems that they have. But and they're all different. You know, they, they oh, may right. be all different. It, but they have one thing in common: their systems for keeping track of the things that you have to learn. Yes, and and that's that's what we're saying. You don't you don't have to use the same thing I use or Nikki uses or somebody else uses, no. but you have to have something. You have to have and something. And all to fall of my students on. have different different things too that they use, right? I mean, they're yeah. all different. And uh, but it is definitely getting a system that you can use and seeing the time that you have available. My I think a lot of my students think it's crazy that I have them actually write down week after week when they're in class. Well, I know when I'm in class. I know you know when you're in class, but you don't see the visual of what time, you know, what time is really available until you see it on paper. And that's what it's doing is it's allowing you to see that Tuesdays and Thursdays are really busy days for you. So when are you going to get your work done? And that's what we're trying to figure out. You know, how many times you on. zoom out and look at that full week view and realize there's just no more hours to do things right when you when you add in things like well sometimes I have to eat. There are right. certain sort of health and safety needs right and if, sleep uh, because if, sleep is sleep, really important right? as a student. So we want to try to keep that you know. In a schedule. And... At what cost? I can right. do X, Y, Z at what cost? And that cost, first and foremost, comes in time. Exactly. So. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. I actually do have one more thing that I want to suggest. Now, I oh, know good. that a lot of online courses do not allow this. So this is, again, probably more for the students that are at the universities. Um, so, again, so many of my clients, when I start working with them, don't don't always have the accommodations in place. And a lot of times I hear that it's because they don't think they need them. They're embarrassed by them. They don't want to take the test in a separate place. Um, You know, all of these different things. And a lot of people think it's just the testing. A lot of people think the accommodations are just getting extra time on tests and being in a different environment, but it actually goes farther than that. And um, I highly recommend to students that if, even if you don't think you need them, get them. Go through the process of having your doctor, you know, write that letter that you were diagnosed with ADHD and go to the student services, find out what accommodations they have available to you. Go talk to your professors 
build a relationship with them at the very beginning of the semester, letting them know that you have ADHD and that you may have these accommodations and you'll be open with them when it happens. Now, I've seen two things happen. I have seen when students have really good relationships with their professors Mm -hmm. and they know they have these accommodations in place, they're going to be a lot more lenient to say, okay, you know what, go ahead and turn this in the week after the weekend. I have had uh, professors actually tell a student that they could extend a final exam until after Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying that all universities or professors will do that, but if you don't ask, you're never going to know. Right. And you know, that that's the thing that you want to do. Now on the flip side of that, I had a client who did not have accommodations and she was failing a class and wanted to get a withdrawal out of the class or an incomplete. I'm sorry. She wanted to get the professor to give her an incomplete rather than an F mm-hmm. and I wrote a letter, her parents wrote a letter, she wrote a letter, you know, talking about her ADHD, but she did not have accommodations in place. And the professor basically said in so little words, you don't have the accommodations in place. I didn't know you had ADHD. You're getting an F. Mm-hmm. And that was yeah, it. It was that's done. It. That's the end. So, you know, those are just two different real life scenarios that can happen. And so I tell all of my students, get accommodations, whether get, you need them or not. Yeah. And, it, you know, note that the accommodations generally last for a couple of years. So if you're an undergrad and you get them in place as a freshman, or if you had them in place when you came out of high school, if you're if you're, if you're just coming out of high school, you'll get, uh, uh, you know, you'll have two years before you have to have them have yourself sort of reevaluated. And, right. and they, they do want to make sure that you still, you, you know, you still qualify for those accommodations. But um, uh, generally, uh, it's a useful thing to have. I have found, and we did some research for uh, in the um, uh, Discord group with some folks who are going through this and discovered that accommodations in, uh, you know, grad school are harder to get and they demand more um, in terms of cognitive behavioral tests uh, that uh, that you have to go through a certain, you know, uh, amount of testing rigor more than just referrals from a a therapist and a physician Um, and so uh, it it can be harder and so I know a lot of our folks are are dealing with grad school it seems so unfair it seems really unfair Um, and and very frustrating and yet that's the reality and that's why we do this this show to help with the other study strategies that you're going to need to keep your brain and and, you know keep the reins on the brain keep the reins on the brain there you go there you go. All right. Nice work, Nikki Kinzer. Thank you so you much. Mu- you sound like you work with ADHD college students. I do. <laughs> and I uh, love them. They're wonderful. <laughs> they're my favorite. Uh, thank no, you, they everybody. Really are. They're great. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. We deeply appreciate your time and your attention. Uh, on behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. <laughs>